This is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. I was recently challenged by a friend of mine to think about what trash my family produced. And I know that sounds kind of weird, so I'll explain it. Basically, they invited me to do kind of a trash audit, look at all of the things that we threw away throughout the course of a week. And, you know, short of dumping out our trash can in the yard and digging through it, we just kind of kept track of, okay, we've got diapers and occasionally paper plates and paper towels and napkins and, you know, different junk mail that comes through the house and all these different things that ended up in our trash can over over the course of the week. And the conversation with this friend of mine asking me to, to do this trash audit and kind of see what our trash footprint was, was all kind of centered around a, a bigger conversation about our responsibility to the world, the physical planet upon which we live and and how much we're putting into landfills, how much we're throwing away day by day, bit by bit, just because sometimes it's convenient. I mean, obviously my child needs a diaper, but maybe I could figure out cloth diapering or maybe I could figure out some more eco-friendly diapers. The whole conversation was, was based on this idea that I, especially as a person of faith, maybe need to be a little more conscious, a little more aware of my trash footprint in the world. And I I think that conversation was so challenging to me because of the conversation that's happening on today's podcast. My friend Joe from the Samoan Islands is on the front lines of the climate change battle. And you might be thinking, wait a second, I thought this was a series on Catholicism around the world. It is. And the conversation Joe and I have for today's show is all about how his faith as a Catholic in Samoa, how his faith informs his work in fighting climate change, how his community in Samoa and the cultural experiences of the Samoan heritage inform his faith and inform his work in climate change, how it's all connected. This is one of my favorite episodes for the whole season because it convicted me. And then that conversation with a friend about the trash audit convicted me. And I think this is just another component of learning more about our faith around the world, that it's important to listen to the stories, that it's important to listen to the experiences, that it's important to to realize that what's happening somewhere far away from where I currently am is actually the thing that could, could maybe help me appreciate my faith in a more personal, more particular way, maybe even change the way I live my faith day by day, which is the whole project of Ave Explores. You can find all of the stuff we're creating in this series about Catholicism around the world over at AveMariaPress.com. You can click right up at the top and find all of the content we're creating, emails, podcasts, uh, video series, different things that we're, we're creating for you to see the church from a global perspective so that you can appreciate the faith on a much more personal level. For now, I hope that you sit back and enjoy this conversation with Joe Moino Calillo from the Samoan Islands. Joe, thanks so much for joining us on Ave Explores. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you are, as we joked before we started recording, in the future. I'm at 2.30 on a Saturday afternoon and you're at 10.30 on a Sunday morning. Where are you in the world right now? I'm uh, deep in the South Pacific uh, in Samoa. So yeah, the future is good. (laughs) (laughs) As you told me, America still exists then, so we should be okay. 
Uh, Hopefully when this airs in February, we still exist then as well. I'll let you know how the news kind of turns out. Yeah, yeah. So um, you are in, like you said, the South Pacific, born and raised there. You've lived there your whole life? Pretty much, yep. Yeah, and and what is the... um, I mean, tell me about it. Like if I were to hop on a plane, COVID not existent, and I were to arrive on your island, what would I see? What would I find? What would I fall in love with right away? Wow. Um, <laughs> what you would see is a lot of green, a lot of coconut trees, uh, very the deep blues of the ocean and, and, and the reef, um, just the warmest people, uh, friendliest faces. Uh, you would step into a very old place. Not many people know except maybe, maybe the people who've seen Moana. Um, <laughs> and, um, this place is just laden with history and, and you know, lots of great things. Um, you'd fall in love with the food uh, and obviously the faith of the people here. So, yeah, do come down. I think you'll very much like it. Well, and so when I when I do get to visit, as I've told all the guests of the show, it's on my bucket list, and I would meet you. Um, and now we've, of course, met before, and I've heard a little bit about your country and your life, but tell me a little bit about you. Who are you? What are you doing uh, there in the South Pacific? Cool. Well, um, yeah, I'm Joe, 33, um, a young Catholic uh, boy, uh, currently working. I work in the environmental and climate change advocacy space. Um, that's both within governments and also with faith organizations have been working with the Vatican quite a bit, uh, helping them shore up their uh, uh, advocacy, us, uh, on the environment. Um, also, like, working with Pacific governments to get, you know, more ambitious goals, more ambitious um, outcomes uh, at the UN. Uh, so, yeah, my, my life is very much um, environmentally focused um, with, you know, that backdrop of faith. Uh, which you know brings a lot to the space, brings a lot to my work. Um, I am a father to be, um, which is probably going to be the most important project uh, this <laughs> year. Um, so yeah, that's a, a little bit about me. Yeah. So let's take into this climate space uh, work that you're doing because I know in Southwest Louisiana, where I'm from, we just got hit by two hurricanes back to back, and the conversation has shifted to okay, why is this happening? Is it because of what's going on? in in the climate the answer of course being yes uh obviously this is not a science podcast but tell me a little bit about why that work stuck out to you struck you why you wanted to get involved in that as a young adult catholic man uh living on an island in the south pacific um yeah for me it's really simple as a person of faith you cannot worship a creator and trash creation at the same time uh the environment, you know, certainly this is how we see it, but also the environment is the first way in which God revealed himself to us. Um, it's the first temple in which we came to understand and reflect on the things of God. Uh, and so to, you know, desecrate that uh, as we have, uh, as Pope Francis has said, to us is a sin, right? Because we have planted creation and placed ourselves above it. Uh, and that's not in line with God's call or, you know, in Genesis to be good stewards of his creation. Um, and it's his creation, you know, mm-hmm. not ours. I think we need to, as a people, you know, remember that. And, you know, any Christian should have the stewardship of God's creation, both human and otherwise front of mind. Um, you know, as a person of the Beatitudes, we can't allow people to, um, who aren't responsible for this, um, particularly, you know, vulnerable communities such as ours in the islands and, and, and elsewhere in the world, to con- to continue suffering for uh, this crisis, which we had no, you know, uh, or minimal 
part in creating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also part of why I've been doing this for a while because it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's both personal uh, to me, but also because it's, um, this is another way that we are called as Christians to protect the least of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's how we can, you know, show God's love. And that love isn't, you know, passive uh, by any means. It, it right. means that we need to be able to stand in the breach and call things out as Christ did uh, when, you know, when these things aren't happening. We're actually shooting a documentary uh, at the moment uh, on the climate change impacts here in Samoa and um, and how we, we're approaching this. And the experience has been, you know, really transforming for, uh, for me, uh, transformational for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because for us in the islands, it's far, it's it's a lot more than than marching in the streets. It's not some kind of you know political debate. Uh, you know, one of the elders that we spoke to was really explicit um, in saying that you know our culture is very much premised on our relationship uh, to mm-hmm. the environment, and without it, you know, we're lost. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an interesting concept in in Samoa when you are born, your placenta is buried in the earth where you are from. Mm-hmm. And the word for earth and placenta is the same word in Psalm mm-hmm. 1. That really signifies, um, you know, our relationship uh, with creation. Uh, it's something that echoes what Pope Francis has kept us, has kept reminding us of, uh, that we aren't above or separate from nature. You know, God created it and 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 then he situated us in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's obviously something I'm very passionate about yeah. because, you know, Islands, many of our communities are already affected by the impacts of climate change. We just went through a period of heavy flooding and cyclones and, you know, the cyclone season, I think you guys call it hurricanes. Yes, there, yeah. Um, we're only kind of like two months into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've and we're two got, months out of it, so they must, they're inverse. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm obviously passionate about it because it affects us, but I think at a, at a deeper level, um, it's a reflection of the narcissism that, I think humanity has now about itself and even God's creation can be subjugated and commoditized. Um, and this is what we as followers of Christ, uh, you know, I believe are mandated to speak up about. Yeah. Well, you said, you know, it's very personal. Like you mentioned, the islands are experiencing these issues, whether it's a lack of water or, you know, the island is literally falling into the ocean because of the effects. What are some of the problems that you guys are facing there? I mean, just well, from a, a purely practical perspective. I think um, it was interesting. I think it was the U.S. Department of State that actually described climate change as uh, not only as a national security threat, but as a threat multiplier. So we have, um, you know, as a as a region of developing countries, we have existing um, development issues that we are continuing mm-hmm. with. What climate change does is it compounds it, it multiplies it uh, even more. So things like, um, you know, food and water security, you know, when when um, you know water, uh, when the rainy season is just kind of off, that kind of like puts our um, you know our local growers and and you know, the agriculture sh- uh, sector uh, a bit off. Uh, when you go from long periods of extended droughts to then all of a sudden mass uh, flooding, it really kind of offsets the balance that we've grown accustomed to mm-hmm. uh, in our kind of like um, culture of stewardship. So I mean, these are some of the impacts, and then you know beyond just the uh, economic or agricultural and those kinds of impacts, there's also the impact to culture as well, to mm-hmm. people like us who, um, you know, we're very much tied to 
our land. Um, these are where our ancestors are buried. This is where all the stories and the oral histories of our peoples come from. When you don't have the land, um, or you know, some villages have gone under, or, or people have had to mass relocate. You know, those problems of um, you know, displaced peoples, as you've seen in other parts of the world, it, it mm-hmm. becomes really difficult to hold on and to perpetuate a culture and a way of life when you no longer have uh, possession or, or ownership of your ancestral land. So it, it goes beyond the economic for us. For us, it's yeah, very much an existential threat to our culture and way of life as well. Mm-hmm. And so your faith has informed this work. I mean, it's, again, it's practical in that, like, you want to be able to stay in your home. I I, I feel like I, could, I can relate to that very well when you're displaced from the hurricanes. I mean, even though we were only just a few hours away, people would joke, oh, well, you should just move. And it's like, no, this is home. Like, this is where my grandparents are buried. This is this is where we've built our life. This is, this is where my husband moved. I, I have no intention of leaving, even if there's these challenges. Um, one of the big parts of that for me was my parish is right up the street. I mean, I can worship anywhere. It's a universal church, but that's where I was married. That's where my children have been baptized. That's, that's where one day my funeral will be. Tell me how your faith has informed your life as a Samoan, but, but even more so, like what about your Catholic faith has really brought culture to life for you in your country? Yeah, I think, um, the faith in Samoa is very strong and, um, certainly for all of us, we, we grow up in it, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of fed uh, with it uh, right from a very young age. Um, we, um, we have a, an expression in Samoa that said, you know, the birds and other creatures are fed with other things, but a young Samoan is fed with words. And so prayer and that sort of thing is fed into your life right from a, from a young age as a Samoan, as a Christian. Um, and so it is very strong here, but in order to understand how, um, and why you need to understand this from a wider context of Christianity as a whole mm-hmm. in Samoa. Um, we are about 98% uh, Christian here in this country. Um, and that's, you know, that's reflected whether rightly or not uh, in our constitution, I think article one of our constitution as well. Um, it's also important to note that Christianity arrived here when it did, it didn't arrive in a vacuum. It arrived at an already intensely spiritual place mm-hmm. uh, and so it had that foundation to build on. Um, it arrived towards the tail end of a long period of internal and civil war and, and, and conflict. Um, so the population was also kind of like um, rearing from the constant fighting. And so you have this rare uh, combination of events and circumstances which enabled it to take root and spread um, you know, from the 1830s um, and then even more so when Pope Gregory and the Maoist missionaries uh, when he sent over the missionaries um, in 1845. So I think one of the most defining features is how the faith and culture here in Samoa have been fused together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also important to understand that this is still a work in progress for us. Um, I think at the best of times that allows us to um, take ownership of the faith and see it realized through our own lens. Uh, and sometimes this can also slip into dilution or misapplication of one or the other if we don't, um, you know, if we don't remain vigilant. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it's an an area that's really quite powerful and and beautiful when done right. And this has led to the rapid growth of the church in in Samoa. It's why Mm -hmm. people have really taken to it. 
Um, it's made Christ's message more accessible and relatable to, you know, the local populace uh, as well. And, yeah, it's something that's very much in line with Vatican II and the vision of Vatican II uh, mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah, it's really important um, here. And perhaps it's why perhaps we're a little bit different um, to, say, American Catholics. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Joe about climate change and the Samoan culture and the Catholic Church. If you are, I hope that you find all of our other podcasts at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your shows, as well as visit AveMariaPress.com to see all of the content that we are creating for you concerning Catholicism around the world to help us grow deeper in our personal faith and our appreciation of the universality of the Church. So go to AveMariaPress.com to find it all. Yeah, I, when I, that's the whole point of the series is is to enlighten other folks. We have listeners from around the world, but dominantly American Catholics are are tuning in. Um, what what does worship look like there? Uh, I mean, I know we, we had conversations with lots of our friends at the pre-synod gathering where you heard all these different cultural elements that got incorporated into people's worship. Um, what are some of those elements in in Samoa? Yeah, it's really funny. I think one of the one of the things that I love about the church is both the universal and the local contextual elements. Um, I love how you can just walk into any mass around the world, as you say, and, you know, the structure is familiar, but it's, and it's the same community of faith, but yet there is, um, there are local elements to which, uh, to you know, which, which really shows how the cultures have made the expression of faith, um, you know, their own. And, and that's something that we've done uh, here in Samoa. Um, one of the things that you will see when you attend a mass in Samoa is we have um, during the procession uh, of the gifts uh, before the offertory. Usually, what you'll see is the procession of people going up to take, you know, the, the, the host and and the wine and that sort of thing. In Samoa, that is usually led by what we call a taupo or the, like the village princess or like you know the which represents kind of like. Um, uh, the seniority and the leadership of that community. And, mm. and that position is led by her and like a group of chiefs and orators. And that kind of is a, you know, one of our, our local um, priests, Monsignor, the late Monsignor Ioana Vito, uh, talked about this as the marriage of the Fa'asamoa, the way of the Samoan with Christian faith. And that that part of the procession of the gifts is symbolizing Samoa submitting to God. Um, mm. So, and that's a that's a very striking kind of like visual um, interpretation of that when when that procession is led by um, you know the topo and um, the village chiefs and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Uh, another one is during um, the penitential rite when we ask for forgiveness. We have a custom called a, a ifunga here in Samoa. When one party has wronged another party, what usually happens is that you would the family, not just the, the the offender, but the family and the village of the offender would all go to the aggrieved um, party's house and kneel in front of their, you know, just in front of their, their lawn or in front of their house and cover themselves in like fine mats and that sort of thing. And they would just wait there sometimes for a few minutes, sometimes for hours until um, the aggrieved party would come and, and lift uh, the fine mat as a sign of forgiveness. That's something we've incorporated into the penitential rite um, at Mass here. And so, you know, usually the most senior person uh, attending at the Mass would kind of do that. And then the priest or the celebrant, whoever it is, would then come in and lift it as a sign of God's grace and forgiveness. So wow. that's, that's something I really kind of like enjoy about 
uh, about the church um, here in Samoa. We've got kind of like that familiar structure, but there is space to you know have kind of the local interpretation and local flavor on it. Mm-hmm. It's there's so much uh, richness to the culture there that, like you said, it gets incorporated into the faith. It's just kind of, I mean, it's obviously embedded within the people. Tell me more about the village element and the, the aspect of, of tight-knit community. I feel like the, the the comparison would be like a neighborhood where I'm from, um, although that has definitely been lost in American culture uh, because we all stay in our houses on our computers all day long. But th- I know that's a huge element, and I don't just know that from the multiple viewings of Moana within my hometown and within my my child's life. But tell me about how this village culture and this community aspect is so. I mean, like you said, it obviously affects the faith, but it, it's just it's it, you're steeped in that. Yeah, and it's a way of life that's kind of like continued for about 3,000 years now. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's something that, uh, you know, the villages are, you know, almost like individual polities uh, unto themselves. And so the political structure of Samoa uh, begins with the family. Every family, um, extended family unit has like a head. Uh, and then when the different families, um, they have like different heads, we call them chiefs or matais. Um, they, for the, the heads of those different uh, families or clans or whatever, they they constitute the village council. And those mm-hmm. are the ones who are responsible for the day-to-day governance and administration of the village. They ensure that order is kept. Uh, and everything in Samoa has, um, you know, we have this expression of Samoa leatunu tofi, which means, you know, we everything is laid out uh, in Samoan as it should be. So everywhere in the village, there are prescribed roles um, and that kind of keeps things ticking over. That keeps order. Um, you know, the, the village council elders meet. They are protected by the younger men who form what we call the Almanga or the young men's, unmarried men's guild. Um, you know, and the women, they have their own thing as well and they like ensure that the village is, um, you know, beautiful and, and, and kept up and, and things are ticking over. Uh, so the villages in Samoa, they're very strong uh, in that system. And then because that system is held together by the family units, that's what keeps uh, the family unit strong. And, um, you know, that's uh, that's something that I think we're, we're quite proud of in Samoa. It's something that perhaps the rest of the world aren't quite um, aware of. But mm-hmm. that's uh, definitely a system that has kept the culture together, you know, know, relatively intact. um, If you consider other places that have been colonized in the past where they've had like their culture diluted or, you know, taken away together because of how strong that village and that family system is, that's kind of allowed um, the the fundamental aspects of Samoan culture to survive and, you know, where the things like war and colonization and, and, you know, epidemics and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, it, you mean you said the buzzword, the colonization that sometimes happens, even from within the church's perspective. Like I'm going to go in as a white American Catholic, and we're going to worship the way I want to. Or, or sometimes Francis, I think, bothers people, at least in the United States, because he's not just speaking from a white American experience. Like obviously, like he's speaking to a much global experience. You've 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 seen this up close. You've gone to the Vatican many times. You spoke at the Synod for Young People. You addressed the bishops. What have you learned in those travels, not just about the faith in general, but specifically, like you said, elements of your culture that you think other people would greatly benefit from, especially from the perspective of the church? I think it's important for Catholics to keep that in mind, that uh, there is no kind of, um, you know, that age of 
when Christianity was used as kind of like an agent of, you know, British or whatever uh, colonization, I think it's important to note that we have come a long way since then. And a lot of our, certainly in, in Samoa, we've completely taken ownership of the faith, uh, mm-hmm. at least among the mainline churches. And I think it's important to know that for all the historical wrongs of the church, one thing we got right was not placing um, the liturgical norms of the church over and above the respective cultures, but rather bringing the two together um, so that the culture and the liturgy are integrated into this harmonious expression of a people's faith. Uh, and it's something you see here in Samoa every Sunday. Now, granted, there there are other perhaps denominations that haven't quite got that far that still kind of use the, yeah, practice faith in that way. Um, but I think that's one thing we've gotten right here in the Pacific. And, and it, certainly that's been like expanded on since Vatican II is the acknowledgement that um, peoples in their own contexts know God and can express their express their, their their faith in God, and you know what we as a church we give them that liturgical um, template, if you will. Um, but that the two, um, the the church and these respective cultures can very much uh, sync and offer an exp- uh, authentic expression of faith uh, mm-hmm. to God. It's a it's a beautiful thing to contemplate, especially because I know folks listening are then going to ask themselves, okay, well, I wonder what cultural element or aspect of my life is brought forth. I mean, here in Southwest Louisiana, we have a we have a Cajun music mass. Uh, usually around Mardi Gras in New Orleans, there's jazz masses. I mean, that's a, that's a part of our. It's usually expressed, I feel like, in music, um, a lot of times. When you've gone to the Vatican specifically to talk about climate change or about the challenges that that are being faced in that realm. Um, how how have you seen the response from the church leadership? You know, is there action that that I can take in my hometown that our listeners can take in their own regards? What are some practical things that you would want to encourage folks to know about? Since you're on the front lines of that, and you have this understanding of church kind of married together in your life. Well, first of all, the action that I've seen from church leaders at the Vatican has been really, really uh, strong. Uh, and in some, in many ways, outweighs a lot of the action taken by local diocesan and, and uh, you know, leaders as well. And so that's something that we can kind of draw um, inspiration from, from you know, from Rome and from the Vatican as well. But I, I think one of the things that myself and colleagues at the Vatican share is that yes, at the top level we've got it right, but we won't get it completely right until this filters down to um, the diocesan level, to the level of conference of bishops, but especially to parish level. Uh, And so that's kind of like the work that we've been doing is kind of like um, framing climate change in a non-political, non-ideological way, but really looking at it through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of, of communities of faith and understanding the work of climate advocacy within that context of the gospel. That's, I think that's probably the best way to approach it, certainly within uh, our own uh, communities of, um, of faith uh, as well. Um, but, you know, I can't stress enough how important it is at parish level uh, mm. because really that's kind of like the heartbeat of the church is, is at the, that local uh, parish level as well. And, you know, we, we're quite good at parish level with things like, you know, giving to the poor and St. Vincent de Paul and, and, and those sort of things, and that's great. But I think we we need to mature as a parish in our understanding of what 
we are called to as stewards of, of God's creation mm-hmm. and look at how we as a parish community can, you know, get engaged with that. Um, quite sure that there are lots of uh, climate advocates of faith um, in your local diocese. So it's about understanding the issue from a non-science, non-ideological, non-political, because mm-hmm. uh, I think that's the problem you guys have over there. Oh, yeah. Um, really, um, really understanding it through the message of the gospel uh, yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, you can't read Genesis 1 and and then just, you know, run your AC at max speed and go dump oil in the Gulf. Like those two things don't, you can't hold those things in ten, you, They stand up opposed to one another. And so it demands, okay, I should be paying attention to the waste that I'm creating as a family. I should be, you know, at the very least recycling those bottles. Like that's one small thing that I can try to do. Yeah. Joe, my last question to all of the guests this season has been if, you know, and I asked kind of at the beginning, if I hopped off the plane and I, I what would I see? But to the folks who can't travel to Samoa someday, what do you want us to know kind of, you know, in a minute or less about your country and about the faith in your country, just summarize so that somebody can look at a map and say, oh, I know something about the church there. Uh, and this is what you love the most about the church there. Yeah, I would say the faith is alive here in Samoa, but like anywhere else, it's uh, it's it's a work in progress. There are some things that they need to be ironed out, but, you know, in saying all that, you know, there's a lot that the the rest of the Catholic world can learn from how we practice faith here uh, in Samoa. It's not just the turn up to church on Sunday and, you know, and then debauchery from Monday onwards, mm-hmm. but it's, it's very much integrated into the way we see ourselves in the world, in the cosmos. It's we've integrated faith into our cultures. So I think perhaps one thing that, um, has um, helped with our, the growth of our faith here in the region and perhaps can help it with the region. It's 11 o'clock. Oops, that's my, <laughs> my, that's my computer talking. The one thing that I think we can learn is, you know, find something within your own culture or within your own kind of community or whatever that helps you bring forward that authentic ex- expression of faith. Uh, we've done that here in Samoa, and you know we're, we're still working on that. But that really helps you to take ownership. Um, I, I always hear on Twitter there's lots of talk about people who say, "Oh, you know, you shouldn't. Why are you still Christian? That's a colonizer's faith, or something like that." Mm-hmm. And you know, my response to them was like, "Well, colonizers might have used it, but it came from Christ. So as long mm-hmm. as your north star is fixed on Christ." Then, you know, however you wish to express that uh, through you know, your culture and your, your community values and that sort of thing, I think is would really um, enrich the life of the church and your own um, journey of faith as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's the perfect spot to, to end and to allow people to continue reflecting. Uh, Joe, where can we follow you, both on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and, and mainly the work that you're doing uh, to fight climate change um, from this Christian perspective? Yeah, so I'm uh, at Joe Moyonokolio on Twitter. Um, you might need some help with that. I'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, and yeah, and we're 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 currently we're going to be releasing a documentary in March. Um, and from there, we talk about you know everyone's seen climate change documentaries, and you're just kind of like, oh, it's the same. But we look at it through the lens of culture, family, and faith, and mm. it's to me uh, perhaps that could be an antidote to some of your more. Um, conservative um, audience who who align with those values of faith and family, but mm-hmm. perhaps don't know just how those values align with climate action. Right. Check it out. 
you might be impressed. Yeah, we'll put the link down. I think this episode airs in March, so we'll hopefully be able to link those two things together. So thanks so much for your time, Joe. Awesome. Thank you, Katie. Take care. Just a few days ago, Joe welcomed his son into the world. He's got some wonderful photos of that little boy up on his Twitter account, which is linked down in the show notes. I think that you would appreciate seeing this beautiful little baby who has come into the world and a world that Joe is fighting to be healthier, a world that Joe wants to be holier, a world that Joe believes, and as he talked about, can do better, driven by our Catholic faith to to have a better footprint in this world, to lessen our footprint in this world, to convict every single one of us to pay attention to how we are operating in this world. You know, when we set out to create this Ave Explores Catholicism Around the World series, a conversation about climate change wasn't necessarily something we thought we would do. But in talking to Joe and wanting to talk to him about the Samoan culture and the Catholic Church, it was very obvious that we needed to have that conversation as well. Because, and I I deeply believe this, some of the social justice issues that every single one of us takes up, well, it depends on where we are in the world and what challenges we're facing in that particular moment in time. Right now in the United States of America, the Catholic Church should be, and in some places is, grappling with the problems of racism how to address some of our our racist history within the church and what we can do to be better going forward. In Samoa, they are addressing climate change because that is a crisis they are presently facing, and it's one that I don't think we should ignore. Hearing about that story, hearing about Joe's experiences, hearing about his perspective is very convicting and challenging to me, and I hope it is to you. You can find all of the content that we are creating for Avi Explorer's at AveMariaPress.com. Right up at the top is a banner. You can click on the link. It'll bring you straight to the spot where we have all the articles, the podcasts, the videos, all the different content that we're creating just for you. And you can sign up for the weekly emails, which are available. They'll come straight to your inbox on Wednesdays. You'll get two podcasts, the videos, the, the stuff that we are making to unpack this topic, to really dig into it, to tell these good stories of people who are doing remarkable things, who are are living a remarkable Catholic life, and who I think will challenge each one of us to live a better Catholic life ourselves. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. We're grateful to have you along for this Ave Explorer's journey of Catholicism around the world, and we'll be back soon with another episode about the church in India later this week. Thanks for listening.